the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, featuring documentary filmmaker Adam Scorgi and his film, The Union, along with hemp entrepreneur Chris O'Dell and his super cool hemp product company, Datasura. We're going to have a nice long conversation covering crazy, long, outdated laws concerning industrial hemp to embarrassing and very uncool stories about our first time meeting with the Devil's Leaf. And now, quietly waiting for his one-way trip to Guantanamo, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, answering hopelessness with a defiant smile and a raised middle finger, Daniel Bolelli. Along with our internet guru, Evan Culver. Away we go. Welcome back, guys. Episode 5. We've got guests this week. It'll be exciting. Hey, that's Daisy House playing in the background. A masculine name, if ever there was one, for a band. Thank you so much for the music. Um, We've got guests today. Adam Scorgi and Chris O'Dell are going to drop by and drop some knowledge on us about the new legal, in several states in our union, marijuana. Indeed. It actually wasn't legal yet when we recorded, because we recorded right before the election, but we're releasing on um, December 1st, or somewhere close to that. So that's when you guys hopefully will be listening. And um, yeah, we had a good discussion about industrial hemp on one level, um, marijuana in general on another. There will be sordid tales about our first time smoking weed ever for all of us. Pretty there will be, you know, There will be some... Well, I'm not going to mess with it. You guys will listen to it. But the things I want to say right now in the intro are, one, thank you guys so much for listening. We have had amazing responses, lots of email, lots of downloads. We really, really appreciate you guys playing with us. Uh, Thank you so much for everybody donating to the podcast through the donate button. Thank you guys so much for anybody who's... um, shopping on amazon through our amazon link which means they give us a little cut out of it and you know it doesn't take anything out of your pocketbook because you're buying stuff on amazon anyway so might as well there's um chris odell one of our guests today he's from the datsusara company that we are he's in one of our affiliate sponsors so if you guys are in need of uh, backpacks computer bags or uh, there are even some weird fanny packs named after joe rogan which i must say Funny packs are not the sexiest thing in the yeah. universe, let's say it. At the same time, they can be, you know, the problem with the Datsusara funny pack is that it's not even good for shoplifting because it's too big and attracts attention. However, it is awesome if, if you go on a backpacking trip, then that's good stuff. Or if you have that's to move your kettlebells around. Precisely. Perfect for that. So, yeah. But <laughs> other than making fun yeah. of funny packs, the um, <laughs> computer bags, the backpacks, there are even some, if you guys are into martial arts, there's entirely hemp-made geese for jiu-jitsu training. There's some really good uh, handmade products. And um, so if you guys want to check it out, there's a link on our website. Speaking of link on our website, there's a link for audiobooks. Um, so if you guys wanna um, don't feel like reading, you wanna save your eyes and you wanna listen instead, there's um, audiobooks. This month coming up in December, you guys will have the Hobbit movies 
Okay, I'm going to make a confession. I swore to myself that I would never tell a living human being, and now I'm probably telling a few thousand about this, so that's not good, but... Wait, let's record this. Don't, don't kill yourself. It's just us talking. Oh, sadly, there are people <laughs> on the other end of these microphones. Okay, this is my nerdy self. I have been checking about news for the Hobbit movie ever since the last of the Lord of the Rings came out, which means it's been over... 10 years, 11 years, 12 years, something like that. And on a monthly basis, I would look for rumors about the Hobbit movie because I dug the Lord of the Rings so much that I wanted to see the Hobbit movie. Well, tickets went on sale to Arclight yesterday. How many rows did you buy? It's coming (laughs) out right now, so I'm fairly excited about it. Point of mentioning with the audiobooks is that currently the Hobbit is one of the um, top sellers on audiobooks. There's... uh, Or you may want to just... or something, some other book, whatever the hell you want. I'm just thinking Hobbit right now because it's December. But in case you guys feel so inclined, if you want to try it out, there's a trial membership for 30 days when you can try it for free. If you decide to keep it, is I believe it's about $15 a month, and you get each month you get a new book you can download, listen to it in your car or do whatever you all want it. So it's not a bad deal. But um, I'm going to go back to fantasizing about how cool the Hobbit... You know, this is, by the way, my ritual. Every year in winter, when it's I pick the coldest days of the year, when it's insanely cold out... Well, it's California, right? So let's be real. It's 53. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like it's not really cold, but Damn. let's put it at. It's raining at least. it's 53, baby! Yeah, it's raining. It's no, semi-cold if you, have, window. if you have no heater or something, <laughs> and uh, if you're in T-shirt. It is weird to get used to. But I know, folks, man, in the winter, back when I lived east, we would plastic the windows to get one extra layer to hope maybe everybody wouldn't freeze to death this winter you know so if you guys are listening to one of the states that actually have winter i'm sorry yeah exactly we feel very very sorry for you i I, I must probe your inter um hobbit nerdism though do you feel three movies is too much for the one book no Absolutely. I want 10 movies. I want 15 See, now movies. I'm, I, if you're going to do that, then make a Game of Thrones-style series. I am do done all. with that, too. And okay. by the way, on yeah, that note, winter that is coming. Show. Oh, winter is coming. The, um, the thing is, oh. the, um, I don't know what the hell I was saying, but in any case, the point being... We're doing an audio commercial, but I think we covered it. But this, <laughs> and, uh, this is important. Oh, my ritual. Sorry. My winter ritual. My winter ritual uh, is about this. I pick the coldest day of the year, which again, is not saying much in California, but still, I'll pick the coldest day when it's raining, it's cold, I want to wrap up in a blanket and hot chocolate. I will uh, put on not just Lord of the Rings. I'll put on the extended version of Lord yeah. of the Rings. Watch one, two, and three back to back, either in one day or on a two-day marathon. A good thirteen. Order hours. pizza. Eat pizza under a blanket, preferably cuddling up and watching Lord of the Rings one, two, and three. And that's what winter is all about. And I can't wait for like three years from now when I have three Hobbit movies to add to the three Lord of the Rings. Extended, extended. Okay, my exactly extended version. <laughs> now, okay, my cool points have just disappeared after confessing to all this. So sorry, sorry for that. I just sabotage myself, okay. but I, I, a man's got to do what a man's got to do. Once you fall for Legolas, man, there's nothing you can do. You just yeah, okay, I haven't quite got to the level of gayness. I'm sure I can work it out, but. Not quite yeah. there yet. It'll be tougher with all the all the all the dwarves. Yeah, all the penguins. But yeah. <laughs> so I will shut up. 
I swear. Yeah, this is a long interview. And uh, <laughs> episode five is about to roll with our conversation with Adam and Chris. With Colorado and Washington State on our minds. Okay, guys, episode something. I don't know. I suck at math. I forgot already what episode we're on. But we are here. That's better than not being here. Um, Chris Odell, Adam Scorgi are our guests today. Um, I'm really excited about it, partially because that means I'm recording a podcast with you guys who are awesome human beings rather than moving. I've been moving the last few days. It sucks, Mm. man. I'm like boxes, refrigerators. I close my eyes. I see flying refrigerator. Oh, I forgot about that thing to lift. So I'm like, this stuff sucks. So if I doze off, if I seem (laughs) that I'm out of it, it's because I am. And that's, there's a good reason. And we know we're boring at that point. No, no. <laughs> this is a real case of it's not you guys. It's a miracle. But yeah, so let's get the ball rolling. Today, um, one, well, there are, of course, a million directions that we can go and we will. And there are lots of things to chat about. But one thing that both of these gentlemen have in common is a plant that has been banned within uh, much of the known world, specifically hemp. Adam produced the documentary called The Union. Um, about the marijuana industry in Canada. And uh, Chris is making, uh, is uh, the, he's the owner of Datsasara, the company that we have linked on our website, makes some awesome industrial hemp bags. Um, and, you know, we give you the spill every time so you guys know about him. So from very different directions, but that's a recurring theme, the theme of hemp. And, uh, oh, by the way, I have to tell a story when we start on, uh, when Adam sent me, uh, he sent me the, this copy of The Union, and um, I was, I received it, I was all happy, I was like, I'm gonna watch The Union tonight, sound good, and I was on this day when I really badly wanted to work out. And, you know, I put my baby to bed, so I'm now I'm good for the night. She's sleeping. I'm down there. I'm going to do my pull-ups. I'm going to do all these. I'm all, like, ready to go. But I'm like, damn, I really want to watch... The- well, I can do pull-ups while I watch the union. It's okay. So I start putting it in, and I start doing a few pull-ups, and I'm watching, and I'm like... And weed keeps coming on and on, and it looks better. And it's like <laughs> watching Playboy or something. You know, it's like, it start get So I'm like... You know what? I haven't smoking forever, but man, I kind of want the joint right now. I can still work out later. Wait, wait, wait. Let me let, let's watch this thing. And, and I start smoking this joint. I'm like, I wanna do pool. You know what? There's that chocolate cake in the fridge. <laughs> and so I was like, my night of working out just went into eating chocolate cake, smoking weed, and watching the union. And I was like, yeah, that didn't work according to plan. But So the main point is it was an excellent movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's the intention was you could not get away that's from the, the movie. That's the point of the story, precisely. Yes. Uh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's... Um, been a long hustle with the union, and, and uh, for the people out there didn't know how I know Daniele is, I also uh, was the uh, production manager and line producer on I Am Bruce Lee, which features your finest there, and uh, yeah, we're looking to have him in part of the follow-up film we're doing called The Culture High, which um interesting because after we did the union, we swore we would never do another uh, drug documentary or cannabis documentary. We said, no, we're done. We're not doing... because. And this is part of what we're talking about in the culture high is that there's a cultural 
riff that if you tell facts about marijuana, then you're someone that advocates drug use of people, right? And then if you're anything against it, then you're a prohibitionist. There's no like middle right. ground, right? And we found that as filmmakers, we're like, no, 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 we're filmmakers. That's people are like, no, 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 you're stoners. And like, no, we're not, <laughs> or we are not. Our, actually, our editor, Stephen, has only ever even tried weed two or three times, didn't really get high, didn't care for it, has never smoked since. Hmm. He smoked but didn't inhale? Is that what happened? That's why, like, because when people say they didn't get high, I'm like, I'm just thinking you didn't inhale properly. Right. <laughs> I don't know, if you have proper weed, you get high, right? Like, used to hear that in high school, I'm like, I didn't get high my first time. I'm like, probably because someone sold you fake shit. Yeah. You didn't, <laughs> like, I don't know, the first time I tried it, when I was in high school, I was with an older friend, And he's like, okay, we'll try it. And he got like three big joints. And he was like, okay, we're sitting on the back of a truck. I remember in an orchard in Kelowna. And I'm sitting on the back and you know your legs are hanging. And it kind of puts pressure and we're sitting there. He's like, well, we'll smoke this one. And if that doesn't work, we got a couple more and we'll see how you do. And so, because I'd heard other people smoke five joints, didn't get high. So I was like, okay. And then I remember like halfway through the first one, I'm like, whoa, I'm tingly. And like my legs felt like they were hurting from hanging on the edge of the truck, right? Like I was like, Because the, the blood, like yeah. it was getting the body stone, and I was like, "Man, I'm feeling." He's like, "You feeling <laughs> shit?" I'm like, "I'm feeling all kinds of stuff, right?" Like, I was like, "He's like, you want to do another one?" I'm like, "No, right? <laughs> I definitely do not want to do another." One. And I remember we went from, like, I, I was like, we went to like Burger King, and then we went to McDonald's, like anything, and then I came home and I had a bowl of cereal, and it, I, but I got very paranoid too because we'd like my sure. first time instead of doing a little, like, we smoked fucking huge. I was wasted, right? right. I was like, I, I don't. don't I learned when doing the union, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I get too paranoid. And people are like, well, how much did you smoke when you were young? Because I only did it a couple times in high school. All of it. Yeah. And then the guy's like, yeah, that's like slamming a 40. No wonder you got fucked up. Right. I like, try a few hits. And I was like, oh, I guess if you put it in perspective like that, like, yeah, we did smoke a big one. And the guy's like, take a big one, hold it for 30 seconds. Like afterward, like you're like, mm -hmm. your face is red, right? She's like, don't keep holding it. I'm like, I can't breathe. Let it out. So that's funny. Yeah. So my first time I got really high and uh, got pretty paranoid and freaked out and went home. And, but in the morning I was like, oh, it's over. No more. And I didn't. And I used to get in trouble a lot in high school. I mean, I, I boxed competitively, and I used to I used to fight a lot because I was very insecure and stuff when I was younger. So I stayed away because I looked at it as a you know a freebie for me. It's like when some asshole is being a bully and we got into a fight, uh, that'd be my one like kind of warning or minor suspension in the year, right? I'd be like, if somebody's an asshole, picks on me or my friends, I'd rather have that as my. Okay, Adam, you got in trouble once this year. Next yeah. one, it would be a big... Right. So I was like, I never wanted to give the teachers any ammo to get me for anything else, right? right? So I was like, I'd rather be able to punch some asshole that's picking on me or my friends out than, than do that. So I never gave them an excuse, although they all assumed I was going to be a drug dealer, biker, gangster. That was I heard this much later after. They thought by the time I was 23, I'd either be in prison or with a motorcycle club. And we are so disappointed because we called him thinking that he was a drug dealer, biker, gangster. And no leather. So, I came with no patches and nothing. What the hell? Yeah, I know. I'm a disappointment. I'm just a boring Canadian. By the way, proving the point that we are not stoners by no means, so we're not advocating. So you gave us an awesome first-time story. Please, Uh, what's yours? First time was in a tent next to my house, and I think we had the, the banana peels for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, But those don't get you high? I heard that too. Didn't do but, anything. You yeah. know, we were all excited. And, and it could have been, you know, I have always heard that the first time you don't get high. I've heard that over and over again. I think it's because we had parsley and, and banana leaves. How old were you? 
14. About 14. Well, yeah. you know, think, and, and there's people, if you've never smoked, I think a lot of people just really don't know how to inhale yeah. properly. For sure. Either, you're right? putting it in your mouth and you're not yeah. even breathing in. The you know, just, it, just like, like Steven, out. our editor, is a really competitive soccer player. You wouldn't know he's very nice, like a very, uh, he's the perfect guy when we when we were dealing, when the union, we'd, we'd call, because w- the one criticism we got the union is people like, you didn't get enough people on the other side of the argument. I was like, we tried. They right. would not interview with us. We yeah. called Partnership for a Drug-Free America and they denied us. Here's a funny story to show just how far they went to not interview with us is in BC, they have these things called Grow Watch, which is like Neighborhood Watch. Remember we show you the sign in the film? <laughs> right? Where there's neighborhoods so flooded that they've actually created like sheets to look for people. Because they say in BC, economists have done conservative estimates, say one in seven houses has a grow up. Wow. There's, there's that many. Just look for the guy with the aluminum foil over his <laughs> Well, no, but that's that's part of the thing. We say in the union, we go over, it's like, do they have condensation in their business? Was there construction hurt early in the basement? Was there this like... and they, But... So we called, first of all, the guy came out because he saw us filming the sign and everything. He said, what are you guys doing? We're like, oh, we're doing a dock. And we heard about these Grow Watch neighborhoods. And we're, it's, it's amazing that there's so much in the province that there's now like neighborhood watch programs right. to prevent them. And he's like, oh, and I was like, would you, would you do an interview? You're on the society. And he's like, oh, well, you should really talk to our chairman, right? So we're like, okay. So we called her or emailed her or whatever, contacted her. And then she was like, oh, well, you should really talk to the person that started all of them. I don't want to go on camera. And we're like, okay, cool. Like, we're naive and dumb. We're stupid. Spend my dad's little money. Yeah, we'll make a documentary about pot. We're idiots, right? We're going to do this. So then we, we called. Then it goes to the head person. And then and then the guy's like. I just laugh because documentaries are just surefire money makers. Yeah. Oh, every trip of the train. Is it not Fahrenheit? No, D also, just, the D at the beginning also stands for death. Too, right that's it's common <laughs> so and, and pot right? right like it's so many networks like oh it's about pot we won't even touch it right. no you want an oscar i don't give a shit it's about pot right we're not so learn about all that later but so then we go to the guy that started all of them for the province and then he said and then there was in bc there's also the green team right which is dedicated to busting grow ops there are a specific task force to going after organized crime and grow ops and because they're <laughs> get intertwined Finally get all the way up to him because no one will do an interview. And we get up to him and this is how the conversation goes. He finally called Stephen back and he's like, what is this pot thing you want to do? And Stephen's like, listen, we're trying to do a, a, an unbiased documentary about the, the marijuana situation in BC. And we just want to um, sit down with you and look at how you look at this plant, whether you're for it or against it. We'd like to hear. And he's like, no, no, I can already tell you guys are left wing. I'm not going to do an interview. He's like, you refer to it as a plant. Let's get it clear. It's a drug. And Stephen, being the professional that he is, Stephen was like, "That's awesome. That's the kind of stuff we want to hear. Like, that's that's the kind right. of take we want to take on. That's excellent. Could you? Would you?" He's like, "No, no. I'm not going to do an interview with you. And in fact, I'm going to tell the RCMP and I'm going to tell everybody else to blacklist you and start looking for you and not do anything." And like, we were these young naive guys that just and we're like, "Whoa! Like, you're, what? You can tell the RCMP, RCMP about us because we were trying to do a movie." And he's like, "Yep. I'm telling everybody not to do an interview with you. Good day." And we're like. Wow, and that was kind of took just you know, say no to a whole new level. Huh? Yeah, like it was like I was like yeah. wow, I was like it, it it brought up that thing where you know when you're scared to talk. I don't want to get the the phrase wrong, but you know when you have secrets and you're scared to talk about something, means you're hiding something, right? And that to us was a real eye opener. Like wow, you're that. I mean, we have guys that are hiding their face that are committing a crime, right? Willing to go on camera, yep. but someone else that's a professional that has nothing is will not and then he's trying to 
threaten us like a kid like I will blacklist you and wow. try to have people like and I was like dude what what, what the fuck do we do did we you tell to... him relax mm. just smoke a joint really <laughs> <laughs> no Steven and Steven has the most just mellow voice like he's like kind of the voice of reason when me and the director will get stressed and everything's coming on our shoulders Steven's guy's like don't worry we'll work 18 hour days we'll figure it out it'll come through just don't he's a guy that so there's, there's, there couldn't, like, if it was me on the phone, I'd probably have been like, why are you being a fucking asshole? Right, right, right. Why are you talking to no, me? No, I mean, way? that's... I don't need to be that rude. I asked you very polite, but Steven was very, very... And then you saw, and they, like, that there was a clear distinction not to want to talk about it. Because we, I had, to tell you the truth, when I went into the union, I was very against weed, right? I, I, I believed all the mystery. I was kind of a... A jock, I boxed competitively when I was younger, and I believed all the bullshit I'd heard, right? Right for madness. Gateway, yeah, Yeah, and make you do hard drugs and everything else. And so I I bought into all that, you know, kind of like Joe Rogan says in our film. He's like, I bought it, I didn't realize when I was 30 years old, I was fucking tricked, right? right? And then when we did this film, and I think that's why the union turned out so great, is that we didn't have an agenda going in. We just Mm -hmm. looked, we wanted to do an expose of the BC industry. We learned so much as we, and then we changed the film. We're like, well, we've learned way more than we ever thought. We have to tell people this. We have to, and that's the same with the culture. People are like, you know, and they're like, they want these detailed treatments and everything. We're like, well, we're looking at the global cultural shift that you're starting to see happen with the way people view drug laws. And it's happening with everything now just because access to information is so amazing now, right? Like, and it's everything, like even wars, like during the world war, it was easy. Bad guys, yeah. good guys, right? Yeah. Now when you look at war, everybody's like, eh, really? I'm going to look at like, you know, this guy's involved with Halliburton and, and, and what are we really doing over there? Right. And it gets like, you just don't look at it the same, sure. right? Because we can go online and we can be like, oh, oh, this guy's financed by him and he's getting fun. Wow, this is not what I thought it was, yeah, right? And this guy's just growing opium for Australia. Right. You know, and it's 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 amazing because in the in the clip in the union when you see Ronald Reagan saying that speech, right? That famous speech, he's like, and I'm surprised they haven't brought this new information, more prevalent than they have, that they believe that this could be the most dangerous drug that's in use in our society today. When he said that, yeah. how many people were like, well, that that's that's a present guy. Like right. he, that must be true. Wow, he has information we can't get. Because yeah. where did you go then? Like you didn't call the Library of Congress and be like, Ronald Reagan did a speech previous. I'd like to read the documentation that was uh, that he's basing it off of. You had no access to get it right. Now you can Google it and find. And that's what we always said in the union is like, like people are like, well, I don't believe everything on there. Great, do some research, right? If you don't believe it. If by the end of the film you came out and you're like, you don't believe stuff in there and you're doing research sure. after, that's a brilliant film. Right. Any film that gets you to think after you've left and it forces you or makes you, not force you, but puts a desire in you to want to do research yeah. on the subject, great. Because a shitty film, you're like, fuck, I want to forget that before it even finished, right? <laughs> right? A good film is like, man, I can't stop thinking about what he said. I got yeah. to look that up. So that that's a big part of what we're talking about in the culture high is how this access to information has changed the way people look at everything, right? So it's a, it's it's fascinating. We didn't want to do it, but just, you know, there's so much in the media and, you know, there's market support for it and, you know, we've gotten passionate about it. And for me, it's really moving to get to sit down with people like yourself and, you know, other professional. Like, I mean, when we sat down in the union, like Dr. Lester Grinspoon, who was the first Ivy League doctor to ever talk about the real studies of cannabis that weren't there to try to prove Carl Sagan wrong, right? He's like, I'm going to show you. It is so bad for you. I'm going to go show you. So he pulled all the medical data from the research. And then he found out that he's like, man, I paid for this huge, you know, uh, education through Harvard and I've been fucking duped like everybody else. 
Yep. Right. And then he wrote the book Marijuana Reconsidered. Right. And, and it, it, you know, when you sit down with people like that, I remember coming out of it being like the whole ride home. None of us are talking because we're like, we don't look at the world the same. Right. Yep. After a two hour interview with some of these people that have spent 40 years of doing research or Norm Stamp or the former police chief of Seattle or Larry Campbell, who's now a Senate in the Senate of Canada, but he was the mayor of Vancouver and he was on the RCMP drug squad in Canada. Like those people rocked us. Right. We're right. just like. Like, I didn't look at anything the same. I remember starting to read newspaper articles. I'm like, what's this guy's agenda that's right? Yeah, of course. Thing? He's trying of to course. get front page in the newspaper. Like, everything was different for me. It was yep. like putting on x-ray goggles for the first time. I was just trying, trying to digest politicians lie? <laughs> Strangely enough. You know, it was – and here's the – and I'm not going to say the guy's name because he was so awesome. But recently, the union was invited to screen at Parliament Hill. And for the American listeners – Parliament Hill is Canada's White House, right? We got an email saying we, the Liberal Party of Canada would like to screen the union to help educate parliamentarians on the ramifications of cannabis prohibition in this country for a bill we're looking to draft next year that we want to be bipartisan. When I first received the email, I'm like, this has got to be a fucking joke, right? right? Like, have you been punked? Or, I'm like, I'm not big enough to get punked, but yeah. someone's fucking with me, right? This is a Parliament Hill once. Three guys in a basement suite that made a pot doc. So... I, I wrote him back. I mean, like, is this for, or I called the number. I'm like, is this for real? And he was like, what do you, who is this? And I'm like, it's Adam Scorgi from the union. He's like, yeah, yeah. We really want to screen your movie here. I'm like, really? And he's like, dude, seriously, we, so even when we flew out there and everything was happening, I'm like, okay, it's not really going to be Parliament Hill. It's going to be this like little house next to it. Nobody's going to show up except for like three advocates that wanted to see it anyway. Oh, no, no. We had a, a room with the Parliament Hill shield. There was a senator, seven MPs, junior members. It was packed. There was 30 seats. They were all full. Uh, MP Joyce, and MP is member of parliament for right. uh, Joyce Murray was there. And like even she was like, wow, I didn't know some of the conservatives were showing up. It was totally open. Thank you very much for coming. We think this is a bipartisan issue. So we, and probably the biggest accomplishment that film ever did like we, we when we set out we never thought we're like oh we'll win some we'll make this film in six months we win some awards go on to do features and we'll be rolling right <laughs> what a boy were we in for a rude awakening right my daughter wasn't even thought of when we started the film and she was like two years old by the time it got a DVD deal or three years old yeah, so. sounds about right Rough. yeah how long it takes but um yeah, I mean that. That's I think that's again why it you know it, it's 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 grown bigger than we ever could have imagined. And going to the you know, I, I remember my best friend from high school text me and he was like, "My brother Scorgies at Parliament Hill, educating MPs." He's like, "If your high school teachers could see you now, right? <laughs> the guys that thought that you'd be in prison or a biker by the time you were educating." Uh, governors of this country on something right. they like he's like my brother he's like he's like I can't wait to tell them the next time they come in the bank yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I wanted to throw out there that tripped me out about what you just said when you mentioned now NBC one in every seven households uh, is supposed to be a grow place now I understand a lot I've been wondering about this because at least half of the messages I get between Twitter, email, and so on are people from Canada who are into my stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, why are there so many people from them Canada who are into my stuff? <laughs> and I always wonder, and now I think I see a connection, yeah. is people who are stoned out of their minds <laughs> like yeah. my stuff. First. No, you know, you know what else is, Danielle, is that religion is really not as strong up there. There's supposed to be some stat that there's a high rate of atheism. I don't, I don't know the stats, but it's just not as... 
we were talking about this earlier before we were on air in the podcast. When I moved to the States, it was very different to see how like politics, religion, where you stand, people want to get you divided. Right. I remember I was 19 years old and I'm starting my job. So I'm like nervous. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work so hard. And like, and then my boss like, like, are you a liberal, Democrat or Republican? I remember I was 19. I was like, I didn't recognize any of those. Because in Canada, we have NDP, you know, like the conservatives. We have different, like, I was like, I don't know. You were in like, Texas at the time? Yeah, I moved to Texas <laughs> first. Was my, and I'd lived overseas. I lived in Singapore, Australia, Malaysia, very multicultural. Perfect then, preparation for Texas. For Texas, yeah. right? And I was like, this is my boss. So I was like, at the same time, I don't want to argue him too much. And I was like, I don't really know. Politics are about as popular as chess in Canada. We don't really follow them. And he's like, that's a libertarian answer for sure. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to get in trouble, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm 19. I didn't fucking like, follow. Right. I didn't. And he was like, yeah, yeah, you goddamn liberals and this, that. And then and I remember he was going off about the Canadian healthcare too. He's already, he's like, your healthcare is like goddamn Mexico up there. I'm like, no, oh, it's not. My, my dad was the youngest person in Canadian history to have triple, like he had open heart surgery. He had a valve put in. He had a hole fixed when he was three and he had a valve put in when he was seven and the doctor's world famous for fixing blueberry, blue baby syndrome. Now he's world renowned. And I was like, that's, that was done in the fifties. Right. I was like, it's pretty good. Right. My dad's now in his forties. Right. So, and he was like, no, no, you don't like, why do all your doctors come here then? I'm like, I don't know. That one's still there in Canada. He didn't come in. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, I didn't want to, he's getting so mad. Right. And then I was like, can we just go work? Can I go pull wire? I was doing cathodic protection surveys for gas. I was like, can we just go? I don't, I don't want to get in this argument, right? You're my boss. I was like, I don't know. Healthcare is pretty good up there. I never had a problem. <laughs> but it, the funny thing, and I remember saying, I was like, where in Canada did you go? He's like, well, I've never been. I'm like, well, how can you logically even have this argument then? Like, that's like, like I say, like, oh, well, Europe's got this sucks. I'm like, well, have you ever been there? No, but I know. I saw yeah, on but TV. That's assuming you're supposed to have knowledge of something in order to have a strong opinion. Where does that come oh, from? Well, where how do you got those ideas? <laughs> man? I, I think that's why you have a lot of Canadian followers. Is like, I mean, even from Kelowna, like a lot of people have stretched and done a lot of things and traveled. And Canada just seems, I mean, if you go up to the frozen north countries, it's sure. just like the gas oil pipelines. Like, I prefer to it to, and I, not to diss any states, but kind of the, the middler states. Right. And they're like, where people just don't travel, they don't, they want to keep things more like, yeah, you, you go up to like none of it and, and you know, northern BC and stuff. Yeah. They so. don't all have my book right there. Don't it. Reaching out of yeah, it. Yeah, oh, I don't, but Canada is like, I don't know, for certain like UFC, Joe Rogan's podcast, your podcast, that kind of message, looking to think about how things are outside of what we've really right. been learned. I don't know. We seem to be more open to that because we're kind of like, Everyone looks at like, well, Canada's just above the U.S. They're kind of just part of the U.S., right? And although yeah, we're, Canada. I like it. We're I've never very been, similar. actually. I've never been. I want to... Actually, speaking of which, if anybody wants to hook us up, I want to go to Vancouver. Uh, there's a friend of mine, Pete McCormack, that we work with for the... Um, I am Bruce Lee documentary. I want to go visit. So if you guys have really? some gigs, picking, killing people, anything that can basically pay for my flight, if you need it, if you have enemies that you need to be eliminated, mm. just figure out a way well, to here, pay here. for my when flight to Vancouver this, and I'm good. When we do the um, premiere of the culture, when it's done in like a year, <laughs> when we do the Kelowna premiere, we're going to do a big one and I'm hopefully going to try to get Joe to come up there. We'll get yourself cool. up there. And Pete, yeah. me and him have become very good friends through the process of I'm Bruce Lee, so he'll be there. Obviously, he's a big supporter, and um, awesome. I'm happy. We'll get you out there, and Cologne is even better than Vancouver. Okay, so I take back the thing about killing people. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I will not, I'm not a murder for hire, but we'll just, I'll just go to a premiere. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, be yeah better, that'll be better. But, 
They seem to be much more accepting, definitely, of the, the hemp and marijuana issues up there. I noticed even on network TV, like, I watched, you know, the Shark Tank and Dragon's Den here, yeah. just because it's, like, little business education. I noticed on the Dragon's Den in, in Canada, they had two different times where, like, a, a cannabis collective came in, tried to start a business, somebody who just made cookies, you know, edibles came in, and they, they actually listened to them and, and took it seriously. For, I mean, there were the jokes, the usual jokes, yeah. but they actually sat there and talked to them for a minute. Well, I'm going, that would never happen here. On the big reason is, is in Canada, uh, cannabis is federally recognized as having medicinal properties, mm. right? So oh, yeah. you get your license there. There's no feds kicking. You can get your license to grow. In fact, one of the grow ups we're looking to film for some of our B-roll and stuff for the Culture High is one in, just outside of my hometown in a smaller town called Vernon. And it's 250 lights. It's huge, mm -hmm. completely legal and licensed. Right. Cops yes. have been through there. It is all. So we're like, well, let's film there. Just so we don't have to worry about it getting raided or. Right. Yeah. If they have some business deal with a gangster that then gets pissed off that we filmed it and there's mm -hmm. problems down the road. So we're like, well, just do that and film there. And yeah, so they, I mean, when you have your federal license there, you can fly in airplanes across Canada and carry it. And you're, I have my license and they, wow. some medicine, they don't. So there's no argument there. We're like, well, this law recognizes it, but the federal law doesn't. Right. We trump it, and we're going to arrest you. And so, and then hemp is, you know, for Canada, it's kind of good that America doesn't oh, yeah. want to grow it because we sure. sell it to you guys and make a shitload of money, <laughs> right? So That's it's good, shit. you know. Keep it illegal for Canada. We'll right. keep, we'll keep employing Canadian workers, and we'll sell it to you because you the United States allows its manufacturing, processing, mm -hmm. shipment. You export it, and you can do everything but grow it, and we'll make all the money, yeah. and China will make all the money, and we'll keep yep. the employment in Canada. I actually want to. That's a pun. I'm hoping you don't really do that. But I'm, <laughs> I'm saying, like in Canada, we make, and it is a huge business to yeah. get in. But still, Canada doesn't hand out that license to anybody either. Mm -hmm. It's not easy to get, right? Right, but. I mean, it's like opening a vineyard or something too, right? It's not easy to get that license right. either. You have to go through a lot of paperwork and it's costly, yeah. but you can do it. And Canada makes a shitload of money doing it. So I'm sure. Mm -hmm. I actually want to Sarah him come from. That's all mostly from China. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask you know, where you get it either from yeah, Canada. Yeah, it's or from really China. hard to actually source it from anywhere else. I mean, they're the only ones that have been working with it as a textile for thousands of years. I've yeah. never even seen textiles coming out of Canada. I'm guessing that's because labor costs are so high that no one's ever even tried. Yeah, yeah. Because like, I've just never seen it, and I, I'm like, okay. But uh, so yeah, we go through China. We try to go through you know the best factories we can find. You know, have the best setups and treat everybody well. They're only but, chained to their looms. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I swear to you, the factories I've seen here compared to the you know the things that I've seen and heard of over there, it's it, they're worse here. They really are. It's less organized. They're dirtier. They're they don't have the most modern equipment. It's just that's the situation of our manufacturing in the U.S. So even if I wanted to do it here, it's not even really possible. It's it's tough. I've tried. No, it's amazing. You can you almost can't produce anything because then insurance regulations, there's UL listings and all that sort of. Once, once they get going, the, the the barriers you have to jump over sure. to get anything done. Yeah. And why don't you take it over? They're already doing. Let's backtrack one second, Phil. I oh. want to go into all the industrial hemp right now that uh, and ask you about it. But first, they shared 
give us your first uh, weed time ever. Oh, weed time. You know, I was one of those people that it did take me probably five, six times before I actually got high. And I know we had real weed, but it's probably the, it's kind of the not so good imported weed from Mexico that was like non-inhaler. Yeah, and I think that could have been it. Because to this day, even like I'll have cigarettes on occasion, but they're really nice and I don't inhale them. And that's how I was back then. I just like the flavor. So I think with weed, it took me a while to understand like, okay, you really got it, really got to draw it in. And eventually we got better weed. But I mean, when I was a kid, it was it was really hard to get good weed. Like he, that was tough. So. He was in England at the time with Bill Clinton and they that's were sharing right. a joint. Yeah, something and, uh, like that. Neither one said oh, the size. Well, how old are you? I'm just trying to I was probably, well, 12 maybe. I mean, I was young. I mean, I hung out with older kids, though, because I just always, I just, I was one of those little rebel kids, and I just thought everything was bullshit, and hung out with the older kids, and that was that, so we managed to track some down at that point, and it wasn't until later that I found decent stuff and kind of... Then, I got a story for you, then, and maybe we can use it for the culture high. <laughs> so, first uh, weed experience, I was 11, so close, and... Uh, um, 11? Yeah, so... Oh, you guys are young. Damn. So, <laughs> I have my joint when I was 11, but it is where the interesting part comes in. The priest I, gave it to you. My mom. Oh, I shared a joint with my mom, and um, best night of sleep I've ever had. We shared our joint. Nice. I go to bed, I pass out, sleep like awesome. I, like a baby, well, I'm fucking 11, so that's not that far, but <laughs> it's... it's um, but the interesting thing about it was that in Italy, everybody smokes cigarettes. Everybody smokes tobacco. And so shortly after that, people are you know, 12, 13, junior high, people start smoking tobacco. And I remember when uh, my mom had this joint and she, you know, I asked her about, about it and she told me about it and we shared it together and so on. And when uh, maybe a few months later, I started smoking cigarettes, just like the first week, you know what I mean? She was on my case. She was like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, you want to have one joint once in a while because you know what you're doing. You do it in measure. It's one thing. You want to start smoking a regular. It's a habit. It's cancer inducing. I mean, do whatever the hell you want, but that's just stupid. And when she said that, I trusted her. You know what I mean? Because it wasn't some parent who's like, no, screw you. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's like, then, well, I don't trust anything you say because you're just trying to deny me all the fun. Screw you. I'll mm-hmm. just do whatever I want. He was like, hey, you let me smoke weed when I was 11. I like that. And at the same time, if you tell me mm, you may want to think about cigarettes because they are bad for you, maybe you have a point. Maybe you're not this moral freak who's trying to impose your views on me. Maybe you're just really thinking about what's best for me. So when all my friends started smoking cigarettes regularly, I didn't. And then that's when I was... I mean, that's not the only reason, obviously, because if she if she had been some fuck-up of a person and she just gave me weed when I was 11, probably wouldn't have made much difference. But I already trusted her some, somewhat. And uh, then that also helped in my mind, ensuring the fact that I trusted her, you know, feeling that, you know, she's not somebody who's going to give me the same standard line no matter what. She's really going to look at things for what they are, whether they're good for you, bad for you. And even weed, she was like, you know, you do it too much, that's probably not so good for you. You know, you do it a little in measuring a certain environment because that's key. You know, you do it in the wrong environment, you have bad experiences, it's the wrong thing to do. 
Uh, so I was like, okay, there's a case by case morality. It's not this hardcore morality. It's all well, one way or it's all another. Well, it, so it, you know, making it a, a funny, but that's like Joe says in the union, right? Which it is really valid though. But he he brings that comedic side, and he's like, you can abuse cheeseburgers too. Totally, absolutely. Right? You don't go around down shutting Burger King just because one guy decides to abuse cheeseburgers, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny. Everybody laughs in the theater when it comes on, but he's making a valid point, right? Is that it's use. There's a big difference between use and abuse. Right? Right. Of anything. And funny that you say my dad, who owned a strip club when mm-hmm. I was going, well, it was a nightclub when I was in high school. And shortly after high school, it became a strip club. Perfect. Yeah. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you see why my teachers thought I'd be in prison or. Oh, my God. Yeah. But my this is my but this is the thing is my dad was so honest. And when I was younger, he was like, hey, if you want to drink, you and your friends come to the house. Right. No driving. No going anywhere. Yep. They're going out where you get in trouble. I'll buy you the case of beer and you guys can get drunk, yeah. right? Or I'll buy you whatever. And, you know, and then he'd make sure that he didn't buy like two 60s where we could poison ourselves to death, sure. right? He'd of be course. like, there's three of you. You're 15. Here's a case of beer, right? You get four beers each. And at that age, yeah. usually you got pretty drunk, right? Or mm-hmm. we had one one of our friends who was smaller. So we're like, well, you don't need as many, right? We'll, we'll give you a poison, right? <laughs> well, you have three and we'll, we'll split the other one. <laughs> but you know what? I rarely drank in high school school i'm talking maybe 10 12 times because right. my dad would give it to me and i own a nightclub so i was like well, that's kind of boring right mm-hmm. and like and i didn't like waking up but i was prone from a hangover from the first time i drank so i was like well that really fucking sucks i've right. like been sick all day i like to go and go dirt biking i lived in bc dirt biking yep. but like i used to box competitively and then that was the other thing i lived in a small town where there wasn't guns and knives usually if you went to a bush party because i boxed people were like oh you fucking boxer think you're tough so I wanted to be sober and be like, okay, you know, I don't really want to fight. But if you want right. to, fuck you, fuck you. Then, you know, I was ready. <laughs> but it was, it was like, oh, I was a killer. I'm like, well, I'm sober and I have some training. You're drunk and you're a brawler. Right. I will win nine <laughs> times out of ten, right? And people are like, well, why'd you hit him right away? I'm like, he says he's going to fucking kill me. Right. Like, it's better to give than to receive, right? So. <laughs> well, it's funny, like, in the States... 1984 was a terrible year, especially, I was born in 1970, so I was 14 just in time for AIDS to arrive and for Nancy Reagan to get on her Just Say No kid. So the girls were covered in body condoms, and, you know, I think that's probably why Joe wasn't smoking it either. I mean, the message was hard and heavy, and, um, because I was kind of saying, it didn't work when we were 14, so it was college before I got into it. I mean, the worst thing I did, I was moved my junior year of high school to Washington, D.C., so when you show up as a junior in a 60% black high school in D.C., you're a narc for sure. I mean, yeah. why else would you be here? <laughs> but it's just, you know, funny how the attitudes were really shifted in a very short amount of time. I mean, through all of the 70s, all they did was disco dance and snort coke and have a wonderful time and fuck each other. Yeah. yeah. And it all just, like, somebody pulled the needle off the record and well, everything changed. Really? And it's almost the beginning of the shift that we were fighting against now that it looked like for a while the needle was starting to tilt mm-hmm. the right way and it's a drop of a fucking hat yep. we're back 20 years and here we are sitting at the point where we could go back 40 years mm-hmm. yeah. and it's terrifying well it's, it's that part that clip we were talking about before we were recording is that, that clip in the union of Ronald Reagan saying that right like you know this new information that has been brought to the media more than it has and you didn't have the access to information to, to refute that, right? So when he said it was the most dangerous drug that's used in society today, people are like, oh my God, lock up your kids, it's dangerous. And it's weird because some people that must have tried it, I don't know if they forgot their experience or something, and then they're like, 
they were like, oh my God, lock up our kids. They found this new information. It's fucking kill everybody. Right? But I mean, yeah. seriously, how can anybody, and I'm not even, I'm not even defending weed or anything. Cause I, for me personally, I think that, I mean, there are substances that are flat out bad for you. You know, nobody. McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, there are things that are flat out bad objectively for everybody, but then a lot of things are relative, you know, are depending on who you are, in what context, your own body chemistry, your state of mind. You know, I mean, I don't think weed is for everybody. I think there are a lot of, I know a lot of people who are nice human beings who when they smoke, they become up totally obnoxious. And for them, I would say, just don't smoke. You know, that's clearly bad for you, you know. So I'm not in any way, shape or form saying weed, yes, is the way to go for everyone. But still, for anyone to argue he's the most dangerous drug in America today, I mean... How insane do you have to be to say something like that? Well, it's just well, something that grows out of the ground. The point is that legal. The, the is part where the madness begins. You know that when when we we talk to some of these you know ex narcs and stuff like that that really hit home for me. You know, being a father and you are done. It was when they said, "Listen, like we started to look like Norm Stamper said when we were given budgets and we were forced to look at drug dealers over rapists and murderers because we got yeah. seizures of assets and proceeds of crime." When our precinct would come in and say, this is where our budget's going, like, he's like, even as a young officer, when I couldn't speak out because I'd lose my job, because right away, as soon as you just start challenging logic, right, right. then you're an activist, you're, um, you know, someone that advocates drug use. And he's right. like, no, I'm just saying that we should go after rapists and murderers more, right? We should put in a law to seize their assets, right? right. You kill somebody, take their house, right? Yep. OJ Simpson should have taken his house, right? right? And his money, right? But then... And that's when he started looking and he said there's one moment for him. And if you read his book, Breaking Rank, it's great. He talks about how they kicked open a dorm room of a college student who had had weed. They heard he was selling. He had like a gram, right? You know, here it gets worse. So then they have him in the cop car and he's free. He's scared and he's like, oh man, my parents are going to kill me. And oh, please don't like, you know, do you have anything to eat? Right. <laughs> and then Norm's hearing on his radio, like, hey, there's been a, a, a robbery and there's domestic violence, but they already have him in the car. He's already arrested. They have to take him. to. So he has to ignore those, right, where he was one of the closest respondents, wow. right? He's right. like, fuck, I got this guy. And then he's like, how am I helping society when I kicked open a college dorm room where a kid was smoking weed and studying? And now there's been a domestic violence That's and crazy. an armed robbery that I have to ignore because yep. I now have to process this kid for this. He's like, that's when I saw I was doing more harm to society than I was helping. He's like, but it wasn't until I started to become a police chief and started to become in things where I was able to start making changes and speaking out yep. and going out against the norm. And when you hear a cop say, I remember sitting there like, Brett's like, next question. I'm like, oh yeah, there's the next question. Right. Um, <laughs> um, um, no, I mean, and that's for me, and that's the part that you know when people say, "How does this doesn't affect?" I don't care. I don't smoke weed. I don't. Great, but how about the people that were wrongly accused that now aren't yep. contributing to society? They're no longer earning taxes. They have a criminal record. They can't get back into the yep. workforce. So what do they do? They get more illegal. Yep. They get harsher. Absolutely. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier too. Is that you know coming from Canada, and you know I know they they sell socialism like it's communism. It's fucking horrible. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but in Canada it's a pretty socialistic country. But um, I think caring for thy neighbor a little bit more. That's something when I look at the United States. It's so I don't mind sharing, and I don't make a lot of money, but I don't mind sharing a little bit if my neighbor might be able to be a bit healthier because if he's starving that bad, he's going to find a way to, for him and his family to survive and it's going to encroach into the, it's going to approach 
or creep into the richer areas and get into problems. So you can't keep turning a blind eye and saying, well, I got my health care and I got mine and I earned it and fuck him, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've worked hard for mine to make it in the film industry really fucking hard, where I've had people thought I was crazy when I did the union. I borrowed $200,000 from my father. I still haven't paid him back. I owe him $98,000 still, right? It's, you know, a lot of years people saying, quit, get a day job, don't do this. I finally have made it where I've got a salary and I'm starting to be able to provide for my family and my wife doesn't have work as hard. And I still don't mind if someone's like, hey, would you mind giving 5% so that maybe a few other people could have a few things or we could build better roads or we could, fuck yeah. Like, I, I'm all for that. Don't worry, by the way. We are going to report him to authorities. <laughs> as soon as the a communist is, is over, in the country. Yeah. We, uh, he's going to be the communist, <laughs> communist Canadians. No, it's funny. And a lot of these people that fight against this shit are the first ones to pull their fucking Bible out. It's like, there's a line, there's a little do unto others thing that you would think. Can you imagine if the whole world would follow it? I think the craziest thing, the Papa John's guy came out uh, right. and said, it's going to cost me 15 more cents a pie to implement this Obama health care so that my employees have health care. Mm-hmm. And it backfired on them because most folks were like, well, then fucking pay it. Yeah. yeah. I, do I care it's going to cost me 15 more cents so your yeah. employees get... No, I don't, man. And if everybody would work that way, what an amazing society we could well, have. Well, you know what Canada does that's really crazy and this is... Not ridiculous. lock up people? <laughs> no, we do that too, unfortunately. Not, not as, on the scale. We no, 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 definitely not. Definitely not. We brought it. But... Um, uh, in, in Canada, for tobacco and alcohol, we have what's called the sin tax, right? Where you pay, that's why booze is retardedly, the only place that's more expensive is Singapore. But booze and tobacco is ridiculously expensive in Canada because we look at that, that's a privilege. You're more than welcome to drink and smoke as much as you want, but that does weigh on the healthcare system a lot, right? So you're going to pay. Yeah. You want to go do that and you want to go. So I was like, man, that's kind of like, I remember my one of my best friends from New York, Jared, when he came there, he's like, that's a great idea. If you want to smoke, go ahead. You can risk all the camp, but you're going to pay a fucking heavy premium because we know you're going to be back in the healthcare system at some point. Yeah. Right? So we're going to justify that with like, yeah, packets of cigarettes are $15, but right? you do that at the fast food places. And 20, that should be the next one. <laughs> Tweaky factory. <laughs> so, so. Well, doesn't the UK, they've already pretty much implemented that everything's legal because they decided, mm. okay, Mr. Junkie, you could either come steal my fucking TV yeah. or you can have affordable heroin that we will happily supply with you with clean needles so yeah. that you can at least be a functioning... We have, we have that program mm-hmm. in Vancouver. You, so you can, you can be a functioning uh, addict. Yeah, but, but actually, I heard, I heard a horrible UK story not too long ago. There was this case of this couple that was growing out of their house. They got busted. They spent most of the money they made to support a village in Africa somewhere. And of course, you know, because of the evil they are doing to society, they got sent, charged, convicted, sentenced. And it's like, as you say, you know, really, these are the people you want to go after yeah. versus well, the it's, dudes. It's what we, we, what we try to cover when we did the union is that there's all these businesses that start having agendas in place, right? And everybody says, well, who, it's not any one person or any one or they, I hate the word mm-hmm. they when it's a, there's just different companies that different business interests. And when bills are trying to move, ultimately it takes money to make changes in a country. So things like people don't look at the profit. A lot of companies are like, no, 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 we'll lose money if we do that. No, 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 we don't want, we're going to keep it this way, keep things right. as quos, drug testing, this and that. And that was all the stuff when we started looking at that. And we 
presented in, a, in, in at the end of the day too, and it was a great compliment we got when we screened at Parliament Hill from the senators and MPs. Is a lot of them came because they were invited, and they're like they told they told us afterwards they're like, "Ah, oh, we came. We thought we were going to be like, oh, this is stupid. We're going to watch this for ten minutes. We're going to leave." They couldn't believe how entertaining it was, and they right. said that's how we were able to. And kudos to the director. It was that moment, and I don't know why it was then that it dawned on me that you can. I've watched the film a bazillion times with audiences, but when the senators and MPs said. It was so entertaining that I retained everything you guys were trying to say. And that's another big reason of why the union was successful is because if you just do information and you just have scientists and doctors and, oh, of course. and this, then you're like, how oh, boring. This is, but that's why it was so great to have guys like Joe and Tommy Chong and they would say these things in a very matter-of-fact or fun way and then these fun black archival clips that were kind of making humorous of the whole right. situation it makes you retain it, right? You'd see, like, a lot of the senators that said they were only going to stay for five minutes or ten minutes stayed for the whole film. Did you then give, they left. Did you give them the Bolelli experience with chocolate cake and the joint? I did. Door? I poisoned okay, them beforehand. Good. And we locked the door so they couldn't leave the room. We had them stuck in there. Nice. Well done. But it was an interesting, the whole experience is very interesting because Brett, it's a, it's a big part of our new one, is Brett was like, he asked the guy because there was a bill going in at seven o'clock at night. And they'd already been there since... I don't know, seven, eight, nine, and you can right. tell they're retired. They're all getting big coffees as they're about to go in for this like six hour vote, right? Oh. Thousand page bill. And Brett's like, just curious, how many pe- how many bills get passed that people haven't even read? And the guy that was our host, like goes off the he's like off the record way more than you'd ever fucking like to know. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just thinking as humans, like think, think, but think about it though, not to pick and politicians are like, think. You work a job that you're doing. It's not the political job you're hoping to get, right? You're in a shittier job for whatever. And now you're not even for the political party you wanted to be, but that, that p- politician you were working for is gone, right? So you jumped on, now I'm at fucking liberal party when I was with this one, right? But whatever, I needed a job, so I just jumped right. in with that MP. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, at the end of a 12-hour day, they're like, hey, there's a bill passing tomorrow. You're part of our group, so everybody has to sign, right? Because we want our votes on top of the people's votes. And go read this 1,000-page bill tonight because that's what we're voting on tomorrow. Oh, fuck. Like, yeah, and this is the boringest. Like, reading a thousand page good book yeah. would be tiring after a long day. But a thousand pages, like, in the Supreme Court of Victoria, blah, 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 act page. Like, it, like you know, you read two sentences and you're snoring. Of course. Like, it was a thousand page. And to understand it completely no, in that language, I was thinking, I was like, man, I would never do that. Like, I consider myself, I've done. I just be like, yeah, I sign. And then those are the things that come back as smear campaigns later. Like, this guy signed this bill back in 82. Of course. It's like, yeah, he's probably a junior representative that his guy's like, sign this or you're not working here anymore. He's like, yeah, fuck, what was that one? Oh, yeah. it was uh, this bill. Fuck, I didn't want to sign that, right? Like, <laughs> and it was so interesting to hear just how human they were, right? They, like, I don't know, you think when these people are up there, like, I felt when I was walking in there, I didn't belong there. Right. And I'm like, well, these are intelligent people, and they're going to find out I'm faking. I'm not really that smart, and I'm just a stupid Canadian filmmaker. Oh, my God. And then I was like, man, they're just like regular people. And like same with even like with – and we were asking him like, um, you know, what does it take to change a bill or make – and he's like, honestly, he's like, you would be surprised how much movies like yours make an impact when mm-hmm. they're getting media attention. Mm-hmm. He's like, we had hundreds of people write us saying, watch this movie. He's like, your letters and stuff, at least in Canada, they're effective because we look at one, and not a petition. Any of those gay petitions online on Facebook, stop doing them, people. Stop. They're useless. This is coming from MPs. They said, if it's a handwritten letter where you've taken the time, we equate that to equivalent to one in every 500 people. So now if we start getting hundreds or thousands of letters about that subject matter where someone's taking the time we're like wow this is really taking note and you gotta remember 
He's like, you saying as a politician, we're thinking business. We're like, wow, if this many people taking the time to write us handwritten letters, this is an important subject matter for people because they're thinking about how can they win, right? So they're not, unfortunately, they're still not thinking about how can they help the country. They're thinking about how can they win. But they said when they get that and then it's in the media all the time and then you have a film like yours that gets recommended, he's like, that starts change. And he's like, so your movie kept getting recommended over and over and people writing letters and saying, go back. So that's when we're finally like, well, let's contact this prick, right? We keep getting these letters. Let's... So they brought me in and then it was just amazing to see how serious they really took it. Of like I did not, I never, ever, ever would have thought that people would have taken it that seriously. No, I love that you say the, the writing letters is unbelievably important. Yeah. Uh, when we, we did a movie about Darfur and it was the same thing. Yeah. That a handwritten letter is worth... 10,000 emails. Yeah. Because people who fire off a copy email don't give a shit. Right. Yeah. And they don't or, I mean, you can type it out nowadays. We don't actually need it. Yeah. But one that was yeah. like you making a personal note, hey, I discovered this, I've learned this, yeah. you need to pay I attention. I found an address, I got a stamp. And that was coming right from them. They said, we pay attention to those. No, and then when it's no in doubt. media at the same time, no, when it's getting covered in stories and these subject matters, then we start saying, hey, you know what? There's a lot of people paying attention to this. We need to start paying attention. Um, many people are confused about industrial hemp they think mm. that all hemp is born equal so marijuana industrial hemp same thing it's all hemp after all please do tell how that's not quite the case well that that's a problem that continues i think even in part with our you know friends that run collectives and things sometimes you'll see things like oh hemp cookie or hemp what and it's like okay yeah it's the same plant but it's a whole nother thing i mean you've got you've got your it's all cannabis sativa, but it's one is going to get you high. One has such a low THC content. I believe what is it supposed to be? It's under one percent. I forget right. the exact percentage. You're not going to get high off of that, and it's just it's that simple. But I see the confusion. I mean, it is the same plant, and it's you know, so that's there. But um, so it's different yeah. degrees of THC from Basically, industrial yeah, hemp, anything, which is less than one percent. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. is it? and I'm just no, a filmmaker, you, so I'm the union guy, so I don't know everything. Everyone's like, you didn't get that exactly right. I'm like, I'm a filmmaker, dude. Shit. <laughs> but isn't it the, the industrial side is the male plant? Correct? Or is it I still... Be- well, I don't know if they use both or not. I would assume you would probably want just the male plant to make it easier because then you don't get to deal with, you know, the blossoms harvesting yeah, and the yeah, whole yeah. deal. So probably, but I don't see why you... Because that's, again, that's kind of the, the way I remembered it just because I always use, like, acronyms where thing is, like, Mary Jane is right. the female, right? And the male is then the... I mean, certainly the, the marijuana version is definitely only the female. Whether or not hemp, I believe... I mean, I, I don't see why you couldn't like get that from the female yeah. necessarily. I suppose you could still make everything out of it I don't see why not but Monsanto would be appreciated if you would only have a sterile plant grow so we could say that's right well maybe that's what we need we gotta get Monsanto into it and then maybe we can get hemp legalized here yeah cause hemp special night kind of nightmare yeah (laughs) quick hemp 101 for well 99.9% of you guys will know already but just in case THC is the chemical within hemp that gets you high. The higher the THC content, the, Tetra- high, the well, stronger the... There's actually tetrahydrocannabinol, and then there's cannabidiol, or CBD, which is the other one in there, which... Good point. Recently, they're coming out that if you make the perfect mix, is what they're showing can actually destroy or shrink cancer yes. cells. Yeah. Right. So, But it's, they haven't got the perfect mix because it's illegal to do any research on of it. Of course. 
It's also what I like to call Bud Light. I've always wanted a type of marijuana that, like, didn't get you quite so high so you could actually smoke a good amount of it and enjoy it for a minute. And that's why, these days, that's all I smoke is, like, high CBD. Yeah, well, that, that's the thing that's always interesting, too, when you see us. They're like, this study done on marijuana proved this or this one. I'm like, well, what strain were you testing? How was it grown? Yeah, was it grown with harmful fertilizers or Avid on it? Because that would definitely affect the study. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... And then when you say that, people are like, you're getting way too, like, hippie-ish. And I'm like, no, I'm just thinking logically. Like, that's if you nice. were to say, how does tequila affect your kidneys? Well, that's very different than beer, right? right? Or wine, right? They're all alcohol, though, but they do affect you very... I mean, owning a bar and growing up in that... I did co-check for my dad when I was 15 years old in his nightclub. And then I was working the door when I was 18. I was bartending when I was 19. And I was running it when I was 20. And then I'm I sorry. inherited it when I was 23. Sorry. You grew up with your dad having a strip club, <laughs> running a bar, and you're how old right now? I'm 32. And you're still alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's impressive. So industrial hemp is not really a drug. So for all of those you guys who have been buying through our link, the, that's to Sarah Beck, hoping you can cut them and roll them into a joint. Doesn't work, sorry. You should actually use them as a bag and not as a... <laughs> You can get a sore throat, though, if you want one of those. But the, um, so why is it illegal? If it's not a drug, if it doesn't have THC, what's the deal? Why is it illegal? Uh, Answer that in two sentences. Uh, such a long complication. First, I want to say if you want a really good answer to that question, I highly recommend you just simply hit up Google or even better yet, go watch something like The Union, which explains it all very well and it's entertaining, easy to follow. Nice enter- nice, nice drop there. Yeah, I appreciate that. for real though. That's, that's It's a great way to get that information. Um, but you know, more or less it just comes down to back in the day when they were worried about you know marijuana and that happened for a lot of reasons, a lot of racism and other things. The country was freaking out about marijuana and they just lumped temp in with it. And that was just... That was the way it, it went, and it's never been separated enough since then. I mean, farmers have tried, and they keep working on little bills here and there, and it, they have a lot of excuses ranging from, you know, I can't, they can't, supposedly the cops can't distinguish hemp fields from marijuana fields, which is bullshit, and, you know, there's, but they use those reasons, or we're going to confuse the children. Are, are um, Canadians just better police officers? Because we have hemp fields, and we figured it out. Right. I'm, ju- I'm just yeah, asking. I'm just throwing that with smarter up there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of excuses. And just, I'm, I'm honestly still a little surprised that it hasn't happened. I mean, I do pay a lot of taxes to the government when we import, but I would think they would still prefer to make the money from the actual product being produced in the States. Yeah, because just going over the facts, so we have a substance that doesn't have the THC required to get you high. So again, try to smoke his bags. Right. It's not going to work. It has less, there's more opium in poppy seeds right. than there is. So it's in, not, you know, we're, when we talk, we're not even going to marijuana yet. We're purely talking about industrial hemp. And industrial hemp is not a drug in the sense that, yes, it's cannabis. No, it doesn't have the chemicals that will get you high. So the question is, the reason why it's interesting is because as a plant, it's extremely useful. It's something that has been used for thousands of years, is still used for a whole variety of things, including things that maybe hundreds of years ago didn't even exist and now are possible. Like for example, when you talk about uh, making paper, uh, it's estimated that it takes about to get the amount of paper that you can produce from one acre cultivated with hemp is typically about four point something of trees except that trees take forever to grow. So once you cut them down and you get that in paper, you are doing some serious damage to the environment. Hemp being a weed grows fairly fast. 
um, you can get your paper. You have another cropping. And almost and anywhere in the world. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it making paper out of trees just make no sense. It's like the stupidest thing in the universe because you're taking something that will have a negative impact on the environment. It is hard to grow. It takes a long time versus something that you could... So, it, it, all of this, you know, and this the paper example is just one. There are literally books written about it where there are the zillion uses that exist for industrial hemp. Yeah extremely useful plant and we're not even talking about the aspect of oh it should be okay for people to assume substances that alter their consciousness we're not even going there we're not talking about marijuana we're talking about industrial hemp the fact that that's illegal is just mind-blowing because again it's something that you can Mm -hmm. use for and in the united states here is the kickers i think you guys brought it up earlier it's legal to have products made of hemp it's legal to sell those you products. Can manufacture it, import it, yeah. export it, use it, eat it, yeah. use it for lotions, protein powders, everything, all the edibles, but you can't grow yeah. substance. So all of it has to come from places like Canada or China, mm-hmm. where Chris got is, sure. which is mind-blowing. So, I mean, like, for example, what beside what you do, of course, which making the backpacks and the computer bags and all of mm-hmm. that with AMP, what do you think, like, if you run through the list of some of the top users you can think of for industrial hemp, what would be some of the main things that come to mind for you? I mean, I like all the food aspect of it. I mean, it's not always the tastiest thing, depending on what application you use it in. But, I mean, that's great, especially for, like, protein shakes and things like that. It's just awesome. It's one uh, of the best proteins. Oh, yeah. It's excellent. It's all I've been using for years. Um, obviously, I like the textile industry. I don't see any reason why we can't use a lot more of it there. Uh, I think only in rare cases uh, would you resort to something synthetic when you have something like hemp that just works really, really well. Um, boy, you know, and beyond that, I mean, but it works for everything. You got cosmetics. I, I had not studied the, the intricacies of how you can convert it to fuel, but I know that's possible. I don't know if it's truly efficient or not, but I know it's there, and if right. it, you know if that could work. It's supposed to be really efficient. The only one supposed to be better is bamboo. It's supposed to be better to be. Yeah, they're very similar in yeah. properties, some of them. Yeah, indeed. And then you, of course, have, um, I mean, Sensi Seeds out of Amsterdam does all the interiors for Bugatti, mm. Mercedes, the big high-end cars, like the right. best in the mm. world is using interior hemp fibers because they're lighter, more durable. Yeah. That's uh, pretty yeah, like that's something, it's actually something we're bringing up in the culture high is like, no, it's not this scratchy, itchy, like ponchos that everybody thinks. It's yeah, the <laughs> most expensive cars in the world are using their interiors made out of this product that you're only allowing other countries to make the money off of because, but it's all those things that if you let one step happen, like how much longer can you hold the argument for everything yeah. else? That's yeah. why it gets clouded, right? Yeah. Because yeah. like even Canada keeps like, we have hemp and now it's federally recognized as a medicine and then it's like you know yeah. how long no, it's gonna be legal in Canada for sure and then it's what you think but that's uh, something that what Lester said right. it's so funny at the end of the movie is like you know Carl Sagan said Lester you're so pessimistic 10 years he's like well now 45 years and that was yeah. 7 years ago right Yeah. and it still hasn't so it's no I mean it, yeah it's not like and the hemp thing like you said the hemp I, I don't I don't understand hemp at all like I just yeah. do not understand how that's not just like okay fuck like even the politician be like give these guys this one right they'll get off our back a little bit if we give them hemp yeah, right you obviously just, don't you own know. a paper mill or a plastics company yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. well in well, BC that's what well, we make that comment and it's very tiny and it, we didn't but the guy's saying he's like this is like asking 
the logging industry to save trees, right? They're right. Like, Fuck you. Right? We're, we're not saving shit, right? We're going to cut down Puget Sound and we're going to cut down all the rest. We're not. BC, that was for years, that was the number one industry was like logging, mining, fishing. But now tourism has taken over all those because logging's way down and mining's down. And, and that, by the way, in fact, one of the, when we ask the question about why it's illegal, there are a lot of economic interests mm-hmm. that don't want hemp to be legal, not because it wouldn't be good for everyone else, because it would be, but it's not good for their business. And so it's kind of like, if you run a business that make a profit, such as making paper out of trees, I use that example because it's the easiest, but there are many, many others. Of course you don't want illegal because you have a competitor that's cheaper, more effective, works better. And it's better for the environment. And people are starting to buy, not, you know, everyone, but there's a lot of, if you have the choice of this clear cuts are beautiful BC mountainsides or this doesn't, well, I'll, well, I'll take that one, right? Yeah, right. Even if I have to pay a dollar more, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of into like, I like, I like going for hikes, and my daughter, I like her to see trees, so I'll yeah. take this one, right? Like, trees when you fly right. over BC, it's sad when you go over, and it's just like you see these beautiful mountains. And as soon as you get up over the thing, it's like barren, yeah, clear cut, clear cut, clear cut, clear cut, right? And you're just like, wow, like. How many more sections we got left? There's not many there. They're taking so many out of there, right? No, and that's why it's the dumbest thing in the universe. Because again, we're not even arguing about the morality of drug laws or any of that. Because we're not talking about drugs when we talk about industrial hemp. We're talking about something that's completely would be useful environmentally, makes sense, strictly from a productive standpoint. I mean, for history nerds, even the Declaration of Independence was written on hand paper, to give you an idea. I mean, well, now here's where you gotta get a little technical about that because people try, they try to correct us in here, right? Please, do tell. The original one is actually made of animal hide. Mm-hmm. But the two copies that they made so they could right. spread were on, and that's where people are like, no, 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 the Love Union made a mistake, and I'm like, we're trying to get to the point that like when right. they, cause when they, yes, the original one, but when they tried to make copies right there so that everybody could read it that day, right. they put those on hemp. So in essence, we're not lying, right? Like we're saying the one that is in the museum, but that was the only picture we had, right? Cause the other ones are just sketch paintings, right? That one is Hyde, right? But the copies that they made to hand out to Congress were hemp. Right, so, but people try to be like, oh, they made a mistake. And that's right in any there. case for the three nerds among you who yeah. care. But you the point being. The socialists are everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but the point being, I mean, it's something that's useful on every level. There's a documentary, by the way, that if you guys get a chance, I'm trying to think how you could watch it. Probably, I would say Amazon has it on like those instant rentals that you can watch for really cheap. There's this documentary, and I'm not going to name the union because I think we brought it <laughs> we up. We brought it up more than enough. We, but, uh, fuck that film. No, there's a documentary called <laughs> The Standing Silent Nation. It's like one of the best documentaries seen about American Indian cultures. It's a documentary about the Pine Ridge Reservation in mm-hmm. South Dakota. And this one Lakota family, uh, the White Blue family, and they try to grow industrial hemp. And because they are, Native. to some degree, sovereign, they feel that they can get away with it because if you can get away with casinos you know, and all of that, they try, and the movie shows you all the struggle with the federal government. The thing that's cool about the movie, by the way, is that it's not some uh, sad American Indian crying about the evil bad government. Mm. They are having a blast. They laugh their ass off half of the movies. Funny, it's hilarious. And yet it also shows the reality of it, which is hard and tough in a lot of ways. Both the reality of being American Indian on Pine Ridge, as well as the reality of dealing with the completely rationality of politics surrounding hemp. 
So it's a cool documentary, but it's not a depressing one, even though you still stumble on the wall of stupidity that surround the laws affecting industrial hemp. So in case you guys want to check it out, it's a really good one. And that, when you watch stuff like that, is amazing. Because you see these guys who are trying to make a living in a land where there's no industry. Mm-hmm. Unemployment rate is like 90% or something freakish like that. They have a good idea. They have buyers who want to buy hemp to make a bunch of products from shampoo to papers to stuff. Everybody's happy, right? Everybody wins, except that, no, we can't have legal industrial hemp in the United States anywhere. Why? Uh, it's similar to marijuana in some way, but it's not. It's a completely different thing. Well, and that's the problem. It's like drug laws don't make sense. There's no rational aspect on it. I mean, and again, quoting what you said, like when you can have a sitting U.S. president tell you marijuana is the mm, most dangerous drugs in America. I mean, come on. I mean, how insane do you have to be? On that note, by the way, there's a great Ronald Reagan quote where he was asked about, related to what I was saying about American Indians in the United States. Yeah. He said, you know what? I forget the exact quote, I'm paraphrasing, but it's something along the lines of, you know, we, I don't really know what their complaint may be about how they were treated in the United States because we gave them all these choices. We let them, you know, perhaps we should have pushed harder a little bit to assimilate them instead of, and this is, like, I believe, the exact quote, instead of allowing them to maintain the primitive lifestyle, we should have pushed them harder to come on, be a citizen along the rest of us. So I don't really want, know what their complaint might be, which is you're a sitting your president and you're telling me that the main problem of the relationship between American Indians and the United States is that the government gave them too many choices. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Wow. You know, it's like, so no wonder it's the same guy who tells you <laughs> marijuana is the most dangerous drug in America. It's like, yeah. it makes just as much sense, you know? But on that note, yeah, the the whole issue of AMP is amazing because so much is at stake. You know, it's one of those crops that can have a huge positive environmental impact. Uh, It can even has, as you said, some health aspects of it that have not been studied quite properly yet that are potentially really interesting. Mm. And yet, because of the insane stupidity of the drug laws, we can touch something that's not a drug, yeah. which it makes it even weirder, you know? When the whole thing, it must be interesting for you, uh, and I've only, you know, got bits and pieces from people that have been interviewed on Joe Rogan's podcast, and you're talking, it's like studying, you know, ancient history and religion, right? And how much it used to be used by these civilized cultures mm-hmm. to help think outside the box and stuff when you start thinking it, it, to me, it's fascinating to, to, to look at that. And when you start thinking about just the rationale back then of, you know, how the Aztecs and the Mayans, and even if you go to the Christian, the burning bush and mm-hmm. these visions and stuff like that, when they were going in and supposedly Jesus used Kana, which is the Hebrew word for cannabis when he cured the blind, which is used for glycoma today. And it's like, man, that seems pretty logical, right? right. When you look at all that stuff and you know, was he, uh, did he have magic or was he able, you know, a smart guy that knew how to use what was given around him, right? It was interesting to see. I just, I love hearing that kind of, to me, it just seems so lot. And it's so, it must be interesting for you when you've done a lot of research on it. Jesus was crucified because he was a hemp grower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was all the way back then. Hey? Yeah. But even the word uh, uh, sativa, I've heard Latin means very useful. Hmm. I don't hmm. know. But yeah. I believe it. Enough of this thinking. The government would like you to sit back and drink your fluoride. Yeah. Part of the problem with the whole, as far as industrial hemp, that that 
I don't even think the industrial hemp industry likes to acknowledge. I mean, there's two things. You've got one thing is, is the price. The price is ridiculous. Like, why don't I own hemp bed sheets? Because they're $400, and I haven't saved up enough to do that. And it's, you know, so you've got that problem. Yeah, sure, that's partially the government's fault. It's also the part of some companies that just, yeah. they're greedy. They want to have standard markups on, on a product that's already too expensive. Yeah. And they're not helping support it. Um, you know, I'm trying to solve that a little bit. But I think the other problem is that it's so easy to, to kind of cross over and, and, and get into to cater to the marijuana culture to the to the drug side of it which is fine and that's great you can cater to the hippies and and the people but there's a whole side of hemp that you know something that i tried to work out was that don't throw it in their face that it's this environmental thing necessarily whatever i just tried to say hey guess what i'm making a bag for originally it was just for mixed martial arts it's really useful because if it's antimicrobial it breathes well does all these wonderful things I didn't even really start saying, by the way, it's hemp and you should buy it because it's this great yep. thing. And, you know, and I didn't throw weed leaves all over the all over the bag and stuff. And, you know, you can add that if you want later. But, uh, you know, I think in the whole industry, every time you see a marijuana shop online or hemp shop, see, I'm doing it too. Anyway, see a hemp shop online or something like that, it's always like, hey, man, here's our cool little, you know, hacky sack or here's a cool little bag and it's got a weed leaf on it. It's a very important point you make. And that was another thing that we did with the union is that if you look at the original website, and even our shirts and stuff, it's all orange, mm-hmm. right? That was the original colors of the union because we wanted to stay away from anything that had mm-hmm. that stare. Like, because if you had green, it was like, right. you should make it green. No, that's what everybody else does. We right. made it orange specifically because then people will be like, even I wore it yesterday at AFM, which, you know, California is a tough place to get. No, and a lot of people were like, what's with your shirt? Like, what's the union? You got a pot leaf on, but it's white and orange. Like, it, yeah. well, it's a movie, right? Then all of a sudden they're looking at it different, right? right? They're like, see that symbol i identify it for drugs but you don't have the regular colors and you and that was brett's whole thing and that's why brett wanted to establish a logo like the union a term because he's like i want it and great compliment four people yesterday at afm were like you the guy that made that movie and then fuck one guy was from mexico city it's like i love that movie and i was like how'd you see it he's like i downloaded it (laughs) i was like that's okay we didn't get distribution in mexico city so that's i'm glad he's like dude i showed it to my whole production team it's fascinating especially now being in mexico city where we're seeing what's going on with the cartels and he's like he's like me and my buddy stayed we we turn it on like 12 in the morning we're like oh watch and then he's like we stayed up the whole we're just like this is awesome and you went into train carts and like it was so cool to hear i was like man that's cool for you down there like but the whole image we made a point of that even When they did the cover of the union, the distributor changed it because we, we had like the briefcase that's on our thing with mm-hmm. pot coming out of it and made it look very businesslike, right, and suit. And and I told them, I was like, don't go hippie, keep it. So they did yeah. pretty cool where they did the, the union in the pot plant with the dollars all along the bottom, right, mm-hmm. showing like the business of it. And, yeah. But that was a whole thing from us is even like our websites was never, we had all these people saying, hey, you get tons of traffic, can you promote our bong or our whizinator? And we're like, no. <laughs> We will not do any promos for stuff like that. Like, right. it's not nothing. Help. Those people don't need to hear the message. No, but, know, but, it's, but it's also, yeah. we didn't want to brand the two together. We right. wanted, I mean, we never thought we'd go to Parliament Hill, but that's the kind of like, we're like, ours is an entertaining movie that presents the facts. So, right. but to separate yours, no one from Parliament Hill is going to call if it's like Wizenator, Bong, Grinders. Yeah. They're going to be like, this is scary. So our yeah. website, if you go, it's all clean. It shows our film festivals. The music comes up. It's like, that's, 
Same with our website. Everything that we've ever done has always been to keep that professional image. And it's you've even heard some of the like really um, you know politically or intelligent activists I call them. They've said that the fucking hippies have ruined things because they've sent us back. Because then that's a great way yeah. for the business people to say, look at this fucking hippie with his hair sitting on the side of the road, right? And he's like, yeah, let's smoke weed and do nothing. He's like, yeah, that's great. Look, that's what it does to you. Right. It makes you do that, right? Mm-hmm. It was ammo for them, right? To, yeah, and even now they still always throw digs when they'll be like, if these people want to smoke it and get dumb in their own house and it was like well alcohol kills brain cells are you getting dumb like yeah. no like that's a stupid but it's a way to yeah. put a derogatory term on it right sure. away right just we've put you to a lower level you're below yeah. us right yeah. you're okay. someone that yeah, yeah that's one of the things about when you switch from industrial hemp to marijuana as in substance that affect your consciousness it's amazing because when you think about it we are one of the most drug addicted cultures out there mm. only if you look at the legal stuff forget even anything illegal yeah, yeah. you know just the legal stuff I mean I don't know if you guys ever watch it it cracks me up when you're on TV you watch commercials on TV and you see the guy who's like oh I just had three cheeseburgers so I'm feeling like crap don't worry just take the purple yeah, pill and you'll yeah. feel and it's like the more. message is <laughs> keep eating crap that's messing you up and we'll just give you a Peel that desensitize you from what you're feeling so you can keep eating crap forever yeah. until you burst. There, there's two right. great parts of the union that we couldn't license. I hate to keep bringing but it's just funny you brought because there we had a, a clip from Chris Rock and a thing from Bill Maher. Do you ever wake up tired? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, like, he's like, they just keep naming shit till they get something you got. Are you sad? Are you mad? Yeah. Do your feet hurt? Do you have trouble sleeping? And you're like, yeah, I got that. Well, you, you gotta buy this pill, motherfucker. Yeah. Right? We had that that clip but we couldn't get the rights to and then we had another one from Bill Maher he's like I don't even know what they're advertising sometimes it's just a lady in a wheat field he's going right. like this right and so he's like there were great clips that really showed how we view drugs and I love that when people are like well you know I don't do any drugs I'm like really you don't have coffee well, well, that's not a drug. I'm like, absolutely, it's a drug. Of course, it's, it's a, drug. a stimulant. It increases your heart rate, like, hundred. Right. And I fully say when people are like, "Oh, do you do?" It? I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm a huge coffee addict, and I am. I right. drink. I'm like, like you. I've gone off it where I've gone a month no caffeine. I'm like, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, coffee just be so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I was like, just be so like a warm butt. And I like a ton. Like I don't like the taste. I put lots of sugar and cream in it, but I like kind of the. I get that buzz. I feel it hit my. Thing. And a, that's I think sure. it's a funny thing when you say the word drugs people freak out yeah where the reality is that there's i mean there's really no the only common thing you can think of when you talk about all drugs legal illegal medical not is just the stuff that affect your consciousness to one degree or another and when you look at it most stuff affect your con i mean sugar is a drug you know what i mean it's like if you just halloween wasn't that long ago if you give a bunch of candies to five-year-olds Tell me how you don't see a change in consciousness. Yeah, you know? yeah my daughter. They got their sugar eye, and they are like, they were pleasant little kids, and they are, they are these freakish little monsters running around, and you're like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and they they're not high. listening. And the point is, everything does. So obviously, then the next step is like, no, no, okay, let's clarify. Some substances are illegal because they are bad for you, and we want to protect you from your own stupidity because you're too dumb to make up your own mind. So we want to protect you from it. Okay, so then the good stuff is legal, the bad stuff is illegal. Except that when you start looking at the pharmaceutical industry, a bunch of stuff that is supposedly good for you 
is as seven million side effects. So it's like take this pill no, that's no, no, good no. for Only your like heart. Four point five million side effects. Right, exactly. <laughs> but screw up your liver, and then you take the thing that fixes your liver and mess up your kidneys, and then you you know. It's My like, stepfather just had this. He went in, and his cholesterol was a little high. Right. The guy's like, okay, I'm gonna give you a prescription for Lipitor. My dad was so proud, right? He's like 55 and on no pills. No. He's the only one of his friends that's not on anything. And he's like, no, 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 what do I have to do to not take any pills? And you know what the physician said to him? He said, pretty much have to move to Africa and eat roots. Yeah. My dad was like, can I just cut out cholesterol and exercise more? And he was like, you know you're gonna have to work out like 45 minutes a day. My dad's like, fine, I'll do that. I need to get better in shape anyway. And he, he was like huffing, like he was pissed yeah. that my dad yeah. didn't want to. And my dad was like, and my dad, you know, he's the president. So my dad was like, listen, don't talk to me like I'm a kid, right. okay? I'm asking you for logical ways that I don't have to take a pill that yep. then you're gonna have to start testing my kidneys, right? Like mm -hmm. my, my dad, my dad's not a swearing person, but he, for all he wanted to say, smart the fuck up, right? Yep. Like, I don't want to do this. Don't tell me on why I shouldn't want to do this, right? Like. And I couldn't believe, like, I'm like, the guy was mad yeah, at my course. father for not yeah. being, but I know why. Because he gets kickbacks from whoever's giving him yeah. the fucking Lipitor. Well, so the guy's like, what do you mean you want to go healthy? And have you seen some of the ads now in magazines? There's actually been ads being like, you think just eating healthy and exercise can help you get a real physician's experience and take like, yeah. I was like, wow, they are actually getting so mad that people are starting to say, you know what? I've seen people that are stage four diabetics come down to a stage one or I don't know the exact right. I'm getting wrong but have cured mild things of diabetes because they've cut out sugars and artificial stuff like that and they're eating healthy and same with like they're actually now targeting saying you think just eating healthy and stuff that's a bunch of you know you need a low tar cigarette <laughs> yeah. that's that's what it is a low tar cigarette now my wife was a doctor and one of the things that she struggled with every single day through med school is she was saying you know I'm into this because I'm into healing mm. and having a certain relationship with the body. And every single day I go in, what they are trying to turn me is into a drug dealer. And that's what essentially medicine is about, is about being a pusher. So when you put your DR in front of your name or some shit, what that means is you are a pusher. You are a glorified legal pusher. But that's essentially what it is because, and no offense to anybody, because I mean, there are plenty of people who do a good job and whatever, but the bottom line is there are also plenty of pushers who help people. But that's beside the point. The issue being, it's all about that. I mean, how even when we had our baby, you know, when she wanted to, she didn't want to be just, the reason why, by the way, when you have babies and they pop out and they all look like wrinkly and weird and they can't keep their eyes open is because they are dragged out of their mind from all the medicine that has been given to the mom. So one of the things that she was saying was like, look, I don't want to load up on drugs. And they're like, but why? It's going to hurt. And I'm like, well, some, but, you know, there's a baby popping out of you. Yeah, it hurts, but your body's made to do that. So I think I can end. You know, I'm in good shape. I do this and that. She, she wanted to give birth in a hospital. She couldn't, you know, because she kept going. They pushed her so much to do it their way of how it's supposed to be done that she was like, fuck it. I'm just doing it at home. You know, I'm done with it. She had her thing look nothing like what you see on TV or some shit when you see people giving birth, women screaming, freaking out, you know, she was doing her deep breathing, doing her, okay, granted, easy for me to say because it's not, no babies popping out of my body, <laughs> but honestly it looked easy compared yeah. to not easy for real, but you know, easier than what you would my, picture, and you know, baby came out, and it was unlike any, you know, 
you know, you see normally it's because babies are drugged up when they are born. She was freaking alert, looking around everywhere, recognizing things, doing a level of alertness that is not unique because it's her. Okay, in a few years when you understand this, I'll apologize. Yeah, it was unique because it's you, Isabella. You're wonderful <laughs> and amazing. But no, I mean, is she wasn't loaded on drugs. I yeah. mean, from birth, we're loaded on drugs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's why it takes three, four days to get it out of your system before you can even start opening your eyes and some shit. Mm. So, I mean, we're literally from birth to death, which is how people die, is usually drugged on some medicine mm. that's slowly letting you go away on morphine and random crap. So from birth to death, as a society, we are dragged from toes to the tip of our hair kind of thing. So the idea that now we have this moralistic thing about how drugs are bad, give me a fucking... And don't get me wrong, some drugs, some a lot of substances are bad for you. They can do damage to you, no doubt about it, legal and illegal. But the whole notion that there's some moral judgment on the evil of drugs, give me a break, you know, when everyone else... People do drugs, as you said, is you know, it's the case when you don't want to do drugs, you want to take a more natural approach to how you deal with your body, you're looked at as weird. Yeah. And it's like, are you kidding me? You but it, it, it's weird, too. Like it's, it's such a great point in how like people in society really look like, they're like, oh, that guy does, like, he smokes weed or he drinks, he does that drug, and they're like, oh, such druggies, and then they take an Ambien so they can go yeah. to bed. I'm like, yeah. what the <laughs> fuck is that, right? Like, that's, like, but it's so bizarre, and that was so weird for me when we were shooting The Union that some people would just, because to me, I used to be, like, I, I, I didn't, I started caffeine very late. I really didn't do very many. Like, I, right. didn't, I didn't smoke, I didn't drink, I didn't, I didn't take caffeine. Like, so, like, really, I look at people like, wow, there's... You know, I, I, I didn't do steroids when I worked out. So I really was like, now I drink caffeine. I eat like shit. I, I'm, <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, gone. I'm giving in to the dark side. Yeah. Right? But it, it's fascinating how people look at one size like, no, you do drugs and I don't. Yeah. And it's like, you, you, know, you take Xanax and Zambian. Like, Nine fucking do drugs. Yeah. Like, man, I don't know how you think you don't. I knew some Mormons that used to give me shit about, you know, because like, they knew I was a, a really kind of adamant weed smoker and I was very just very vocal about it. And they'd give me a ton of crap. And then I'd turn around and I'd see them and they would eat during the day a pound chocolate bar from Trader Joe's. You know, yeah. it was big. And they'd just take it down, get completely amped on sugar. And I'm like, wow, okay. All right. If you're not addicted to that, I don't, I, you right. know. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, yeah. chocolate, in fact, is my drug of choice, and I know it's a drug, oh, it's a and one. I get oh, it. My, once in a while, I have to clean out. You know what I mean? Because it's like I start craving it more and more. I down it like there's no tomorrow. I realize I'm yeah. passing the threshold of enjoyment, <laughs> pleasant, <laughs> is going into manic, let's shoot chocolate at my veins yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> I tone it down for a while, then I can taste it. But all of these things, you know, a lot of things are drugs in that sense. Well, but that's the, like the example you brought up earlier when you were talking about fast food. Mm. It's amazing that even people who have the courage to argue, ooh, the evil of drugs, and then they load up on fast food all day long. It's like, are you kidding me? But goddamn, yeah. In-N-Out Burger is good. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, it's like I broke down on the way. And now I'm <laughs> gonna be getting some of that shit for sure too. And if we want to make an argument yeah. of let's outlaw stuff that's bad for you, mm-hmm. well, in that case, considering the gazillion of dollars a year in healthcare spent because of the problems connected with fast food abuse, yeah. then you should outlaw not only alcohol, you should outlaw cigarettes, you should outlaw fast food. Of course, you're gonna have the guy on the street corner next to a school going. I got a Big Mac for 20 bucks right here. You know, it's like, but that's the, if you want to be consistent, that's what you should do. 
you know. Mm. So if the argument is let's outlaw stuff that's bad for you, which we can have a discussion on it. I mean, I don't agree. I think it should be an individual choice, but I can see the logic of saying, yeah. look, people screw up when they are left to their own devices. You need to prevent people from doing too much damage. They are too stupid. Too I don't agree, but I see the logic at least. But if you want to apply it that way, then be consistent. Yeah. Then outlaw all of these things. But then at least you're. But Daniele, you're, you're talking logical. Yeah, that is, and that makes it tough for sure. Shit, but I'm gonna be deported along with him. Yeah, yeah, God <laughs> damn Italians. Yeah. He's over there in your four day work weeks. Right. Right? Oh. <laughs> Six weeks of vacation. Yeah, one day work. <laughs> but it does feel like the tide is turning the tiniest bit. I mean, sure. it's funny. Anybody who comes visit me from back in Tennessee, the only thing they want to see. Yeah. Somebody go into a collective <laughs> and come out with their little medicine bag right. yeah. and not be in fear that the cops are going to get them. I yeah. mean, it really, it is an amazing difference. So we can go on for a long time on this, but we, well, we probably will another time. We'll continue on this conversation. But to wrap things up, because um, you guys probably by now have arrived to whatever your destination was when you started your car, the... Um, Tell us a couple of things from you guys, just um, websites, how to contact you, Twitter, anything that you want to mention. I think if I got it correctly, Adam was involved in this documentary called The Union. Is that right? Something about that. Yeah, I think he said so. So if you guys want to check that out, that's a great idea. Employment in, in the salt mines. Something, yeah. I, I he mentioned it once, I think. So, yeah. I, I Sally Field kind of, was in it, right? Yeah, so, yeah. but no, uh, please do tell us. Um, uh, my, my apologies for talking about it the whole, <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> but it's called uh, The Union, the Business Behind Getting High. I mean, you can go to our Facebook page, which is just uh, The Union Movie. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter, I'm just Adam Score, like a goal with a big G. Because uh, my company Scorgy Productions, uh, I'm pretty reachable at any time. Or then you can go to Kickstarter too. I'm on there, and then you can reach us through the Culture High and everything as well. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, but all my references to the union. Awesome, Chris. Awesome. Well, okay. So for me, um, I, you guys probably got the idea. But yeah, we make uh, my company makes hemp gear. I started it back in the day. Um, when I was getting into mixed martial arts and I just hated all the plastic synthetic stuff that wasn't working so we realized hey hemp's I took my two loves and went hey my current loves in May my old love was you know hemp and activism there and I went hey I, just, I could make some cool stuff so we've got stuff yet yeah, oriented towards sports gear but um, you know really a lot of people like it for travel and just general purpose so uh, you can check it out it's definitely not your usual hippie hemp gear at all it, if anything it looks kind of militaristic actually um, and so that's all at dsgear.com or if you uh, you can look up Datsusara if you can figure out how to spell that um, if you just look up hemp and MMA or you know we're, we're kind of all over the place go to De- uh, Daniela's uh, website uh, it's it's on there there's a link through there you can you can check it out um, yeah that's about it there and we got Twitter and Facebook too you can go find it it's there cool awesome well Thank you guys so much for coming. Oh, well, thanks for having us on. I really so appreciate much. it, man. And Danielle, you'll be we'll be seeing you a lot here shortly, but my friend. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thanks. 
and so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon.